Welcome to the LMTP Low Man on the Totem Pole podcast. We're your tough love work friends, talking you through your workplace woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I'm your co-host, corporate trainer and New Year's Grinch, Katie McDonald. And here's your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for a Promotion, Start Selling Your Genius, and leader of 2019's Resolution Revolution, Heather MacArthur. <laughs> Hello. Yes, I love, I feel like New Year's is like your Etch-a-Sketch holiday, so I'm excited. Yeah, do you really use it as an Etch-a-Sketch? You just shake shake that shit off and start over? <laughs> I shake the shit off and I start all over, so it's a brand new... Nothing that happened on December 31st is on record, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, I got to take a page. That's a that's a good way to go. All right. Well, welcome, everybody, to the show. We are, as always, walking listeners through our strategies, uh, attitude changes, and actions that are going to put you in the driver's seat of your own career advancement. And what better time to be talking about new moves towards that measure than the very beginning, right? Shaking up the Etch-A-Sketch, the very beginning of the year. And most importantly, helping you understand what a successful, meaningful career looks like for you. We are thrilled to have a fabulous guest joining us today. Uh, She's a senior healthcare sector IT analyst, program manager, business strategist, and horse whisperer. Please welcome Jocelyn Jaswick. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me on Low Man on the Totem Pole podcast. (laughs) Thank you for being here. This is my distinct pleasure because uh, Joss and I met on one of uh, my earliest jobs straight out of college at... uh, I mean, should we do it? Should we name it at Upper? Is this even still there? Upper it may deck, not be there. Upper, upper deck. deck sporting goods, sporting sporting memorabilia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and she was, in so many ways, a mentor and inspiration for how you can do a fabulous job and uh, and guiding, making that my north star. So I am so excited to have Joss on here today. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Uh, yes, we have a long and storied history of jobs together and not together, <laughs> and I'm. Very excited to have met uh, Heather through Katie and have the opportunity to uh, get the just best career advice and tough love talk for sure <laughs> about what I should and shouldn't be doing with my career. Oh, so that, thank you. Been, oh, well, it's definitely been a dual purpose uh, exchange of information. <laughs> and I even uh, just seeing some of the topics you wanted to talk about tonight, I feel like it's bringing us uh, bring our best game today. Right. Likewise. I know. I'm so excited. Before we get into that, though, I do want to kind of take the temperature of the podcasting room since Heather especially just brought up shaking up the Etch-A-Sketch. I'm wondering, are we, everybody here, are we treating 2019 like a new start? How Does anybody have any resolutions or any goals for the year? I think that... For most people, the end of the year and the beginning of the year is, it's a very good time to look at your goals and reevaluate what you're doing. But I also like to point out that that's something you could be doing all year long to make sure that you're checking in and you're on the right track. And that when you get to the end of the year, you're not in a scramble or a rush to meet any of your goals, to um, re- you know, to change them or make them match what you, you know, what you need them to match and make you feel successful along the way. Because if you're, if you've set a goal at the beginning of the year and you're not meeting it by September or November, you could lose motivation. Um, you could, uh, certainly feel like you weren't successful in what you did this year. I agree. And I, you just described the whole 
you know, we can get into that a little bit later, but you've just described the whole mantra behind what makes performance management work and not work as a whole, don't wait till the end of the year kind of crap. I'm a little bit of a crack whore when it comes to doing uh, goals, and it's mainly because, um, okay, so um, uh, my birthday's in October, and, uh, you know, both Joss and I are repos, but I take that as my fiscal calendar year, so I do during my birthday, I spend it by myself, I literally do a PowerPoint, pick a theme song and a mantra for the year, and I, I lay out my goals in my personal life, my work life. My, my health and um, like my spiritual uh, aspect. And then, but New Year's, what I do is as much as I etch a sketch it, New Year's, I do kind of go, okay, what am I starting fresh with that like just kind of help me uh, focus and kind of revisit the goals that I had? Where am I at? And, you know, you kind of wrap it up at the end of the year. I will say this is the first year that my boyfriend had to suffer through that in up close and personal. And um, he was a little aghast, if you will, at the level of, okay, now, what are you going to let go of this year? Name top three things. And then what are the things you're going to appreciate this year? Top three things. <laughs> so let's just say. Really? Oh, I'm ridiculous. He knows um, you. He, was, he, just, he wasn't prepared for the scope. No, no. And he was like, I thought you, another thing? I was like, I'm writing them all down. We're reading. And then the hard part is that we had that for like a week. And then he had to call me out yesterday. He was like, uh, you've not been doing any of this and I've been doing all of it. <laughs> I was like, well, I set the goals. I didn't say I do all of it. <laughs> it sounds like your goals weren't specific enough. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that later. Ooh, okay. I think that was a no. teaser. <laughs> that is fabulous. I really need to see this PowerPoint, Heather. Uh, I hope this is available for perusal, your your professional uh, and personal goals PowerPoint that you make on your birthday. That sounds just like a uh, magical uh, transformation moment. I'll share it willingly. And I, I, I theme it and everything. I think I'm going to yoink that. <laughs> <laughs> do you really? I do. Well, I... Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I pick a theme song for the year. Um, yeah, yeah. I pick a color for the year. I got the whole thing going. Okay, well, you can't leave us hanging. What's the color? What's the theme song? So the color this year is red. And um, a lot of it has to do with, like, that's the color of my book cover and, and this idea of just getting shit done. So red. And um, I will say the mantra is what you appreciate appreciates. It's Little Red Corvette. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I know that has a double entendre, but I think there's, I think that's appropriate that I'm like looking to be spicy this year as well as get shit done. <laughs> Those are all perfect. Oh, I love it. So, I do so feel, much. I do feel like what you appreciate appreciates is a little bit of a dad quote <laughs> in spirit, but I actually dig it. <laughs> I am here it for it. It is a dad it. quote. It, it totally. It's okay. So next year is my year to start picking a theme and a color. Guess what? Spoiler, the color is going to be green and a song uh, <laughs> that's super important to me moving forward. This is like a big part of my life now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I am super excited. Joss just dropped a little bit of a spoiler about one of the things that uh, that we want to talk about together. I'm really excited about getting the opportunity to uh, talk about starting the new year with a fresh perspective, especially when it comes to one of the major themes in your book, Heather, which is uh, running your own career like it's your own business. Regardless of what that career, who you report to or don't report to, are you an entrepreneur? Are you a, an employee in a larger uh, company? How are you taking the reins and running your own career? And I wondered, I know Joss has some thoughts. 
on what it takes to do that based on some recent experience, right? Uh, right. I, I don't think this is a perfect fit, but when Katie started talking about uh, running your own career like a business, I immediately thought of my executive uh, vice president, and we have probably, I would say, 50 or 60 people in our department that each have different functions, and uh, he has a long background in sales, so he actually runs all of our departmental functions like a business. So he has been running them through a multi-year program to build out what their service line is and start tying it to planning, finances, budgeting, hiring. I mean, he's really encouraging people to run things well so that we don't have to suffer from poor planning or hiccups in the budget, I guess you could say. So we actually have a service line management team that consults with and guides each of those departments on how to build their service line. And when I say service line, this is what you offer to the company. So as an individual, it could be what you offer to the client, your menu, if you will, how you deliver it. So the processes that you put in place and the way that you deliver it who performs the work that's a little bit more towards departments. But if you had a small business with small amount of employees, you're, you're saying, I know exactly what I offer, how I give it to you, who's going to deliver it. Uh, one piece that's very important is how the work or how that service line is governed and how you measure success. And then for us, it's also a part of um, what tools do you use, uh, such as software pieces or you know, spreadsheets or documentation or things that you use. So to sort of reiterate that, it's people, process, oversight, measuring success, and tools. So for our departments, they begin by building out a document that starts with their current state. What do we offer now? Who does it? How do we do it? Who looks at it? How mature is that governance or that oversight? And then the next step in that process is to build a three, maybe five-year plan for how you're going to either improve or grow that service line uh, after you've kind of checked your current state for how mature everything is and where the gaps are, what needs to be fixed or what could be improved on. So for us, this is a multi-year exercise for everyone and, and it is painful for them. <laughs> it, it's not, it's not easy, um, but it has a lot of potential and I think opportunity for people to when they when they plan this ends up taking a lot of the guesswork out of a lot of the things that you're doing so that at the end of the year we're not asking for more budget or we're not behind on budget we're not doing layoffs because we didn't plan properly we know what our next two years looks like so we know what our headcount should be we're not doing travel freezes it really sets you up I think for a more successful end of year than kind of how we're working now, which is really just January, everyone gets their budget, quick, go spend it <laughs> and do some stuff with your money. And there's really no thought or structure put around it. So um, eventually, the process is all going to be tied to our finances. And right now, we're just starting the quarterly business review. So everything that everybody has documented and put down on paper, we go back every quarter take a look at it. Is this still relevant? Is it still aligned with company goals? Is it still, you know, is this still worthwhile for us to be doing or we do we need to make changes to it? Um, so I, I've seen this in action now for, 
I would say about 18 months or so. And it's, it's definitely a culture change for a lot of us, but there's just huge potential in, in knowing exactly what you offer, how you offer it, you know, people process, government measuring your success and being able to prove that you've been successful. Um, and then, you know, what tools that you need. I think that's great. I mean, uh, everything that you just lined out is something that I think all departments should do. And I think a lot of times when there's internal departments that don't work directly with the customer or client or whatever the business might be, we, we, you know, you're basically a cost center and it's very easy to just kind of go, like go off the budget, whatever they give me. So I'll hear that a lot is like, Oh, we don't have the budget for that. I'm like, well, then you haven't pitched the strategy that, that you got buy-in for to get that budget. So even the concept of you have to persuade people to give you the budget you need to get the work done doesn't dawn on people. Um, the couple of things that I throw out there for those, you know, it sounds like the, the leader that you've got that's doing this really kind of knows what they're doing. But as a culture, the three things that I've seen that makes that work or not is one, uh, the follow through. So the fact that there's that follow through, the fact that there's that follow up throughout the year is huge. The other part in that follow through is, is it quality dialogue? So that's the hard part is, you know, he's setting the whole group up to do that, but then there's going to be pockets of people who aren't talking about it in the right way. Like, oh, how are, you know, well, we're touching base quarterly. Can I check it off the list versus let's really think about what's been working, what's not been working. Even the second thing is, a little bit before that, even as you were talking about is, you know, really assessing current state and then how are we going to move forward? The thing that, then it may have just been missed in the description, but the thing that I see miss pe people miss quite a bit is don't just assess current state. In fact, start with where is it that we're trying to go? What customer experience are we trying to make sure happens? Then where are we currently? And then how do we close the gap? I find a, a lot of companies will sit there and go, let's assess current state. What that means is they'll look for what sucks right now. And so what's the most painful? What's the least painful? But if it's kind of like saying like, well, do I have gas in the car? And, you know, how, how well it made is it? Okay, well, I've only got half a gallon. So the trip I'm going to take is going to be two hours. If I, if I go, I want to go to New York. And now I look at current state and I only have a half gallon. Then I focus on, well, how do I get the rest of the gas to make the trip happen? But most people won't even think about New York as a possibility because they're too busy focused on the half gallon of gas that they have. The third thing on there with the goals of kind of making that a cultural movement is accountability. Um, you know, like sounds like he's, he's lucky you've got, he's got you and probably some other staff that are really bought into it. But the people who are used to not having to think that hard about the job there's a level of you almost have to make it mandatory in the beginning before they start to really reap the rewards of being able to drive the business. So then being held accountable on how well they write their goals and whether or not they follow up quarterly and whether or not they uh, follow through and, and give updates and how skilled are they at presenting proposals and things like that for the business. You know, it's one thing to say we have to do it and turn in the goals. It's another thing to check for quality and, and from management on down. So I, I'm wondering, based on your experience, how, how do those three things play out on your side, Joss? The accountability is what we have, like the service line uh, group. We have a couple of service line managers that guide everyone through the through the process. So it is helpful for them to have a guide because otherwise – you know, these folks are just thinking operationally. They're just thinking about year to year, month to month. How do we keep the lights on? How do we feed and water the plants? Um, they're not really making those connections to the company goals or to how do we get where we need to go in the next two, three, four, five years. So 
the part of the service line management group is is helping them make those connections, at least in the beginning, because right now, I think, Heather, you said people are not used to thinking this way. They're just concerned with surviving. But you have to, you know, they're, and they're not going to see the rewards to a program like this for a couple years. So you do have to have the driving force behind that be the management and, and be that be that accountability and definitely stay consistent and follow through on it. But that's applicable to all of us as individuals too. sort of when we have to run our own career, nobody else is going to do that for us. Absolutely. I see I see everything that you mentioned for sure. That's what I love so much about this example. It's so great that the culture that you're working in right now lends itself well to this working and you have a visionary director of the program that is actually making sure that all these points are hit. So I think there are a couple points to, to be taken away. If you are in a director or manager level position in your own workplace where you can affect this type of change for yourself and your team, this is an optimal way. And and you did say it's painful. Justin, it can, um, can okay. be painful. Let me let me change <laughs> let me change painful to discomfort. Okay. 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 It is uh, it's not painful. Nobody is being tied to racks. And stretched at work, but they are uncomfortable <laughs> thinking this way right. when what they're only used to thinking is just how do I survive from month to month to year to year? So, right. So their vision is getting stretched. I want to throw out in fairness, people who are struggling with it is look, there's a level of certainty to this is due every day. I may and I do it well, and that guarantees me a job. That's how much I have to think. Like, where when you start to move into this more way of thinking and telling people to own a business. The risk increases. You're guessing at what the right move is. You're taking ownership of things that previously somebody else in an executive level position took and you just delivered. So there's a we're asking people to step out of, of security and, and uncertainty. And if that's not the lane you've been swimming in this entire time, it is it is extremely difficult. And everybody's a little bit different on how comfortable they are with it. That's absolutely true. And, and that's where it sounds like that's where the discomfort lies, right, is trying to build a vision for people who just want to keep the lights on and don't care about like how much gas is in the tank to uh, to Heather's analogy. But I love the the practical application that this has to the low man on the totem pole concept of being your own boss. You can absolutely build this strategy out for you as the owner of your own business, whatever that business is that you're building for yourself, your personal brand, your uh, your offering within the company or small business that you're building. And yes, it is scary because you are accountable to yourself. You're holding yourself accountable. But you also, the flip side of that is the power that you're you're really empowering yourself to make changes and have a vision towards those changes. It's so great that you guys both picked up and ran with the current state versus ideal state. I'm working for a client right now whose entire thing is backcasting, where you're supposed to look at where you want to be first before you take a look at where you currently are. So the the focus and the goal is always on where you want to be as a brand, as a product, as a company, as an employee or whatever you're bringing to the table. And then looking at current saying, going, okay, what is needed to get from here to there? It's huge in terms of, you know, people, people, that's the big word right now is being reactive versus proactive. And it, they call out the idea of reactive is bad because you're just, you know, you're stressed and you're, you're, you're usually a little temperamental but they're missing the point of like to even be proactive, you have to have an idea of where you want to go. 
And if not, you're always just going to be treading water and anything that's coming in at you, you're trying to survive that versus, oh, I'm trying to get over here. I'll build a boat. I'll make this happen. And that storm's worth navigating or that storm's worth sitting out. But you don't know that if you haven't set a direction. And, and it's it can be surprising sometimes for people that if you're really comfortable with setting direction, going, here's where I am, and you've got a clear vision for that, that doesn't always feel so safe for people. A lot of people are uncomfortable, haven't been set up to believe that just their viewpoint or opinion, unless it's grounded in absolute science and fact and research, they're not as comfortable putting that out there because they don't want to get rejected or they don't want to be called out. But really, in this day and age of change happening so fast, you just don't have that luxury anymore, no matter what job position you have to come from a, I just do what they tell me to do. And I go home at night. And as long as I do a good job, I've got job security. That's just not the way it works anymore. Yeah, it's definitely not. We were just talking about that actually uh, off mic about how important it is to, in whatever role you happen to have, to be able to show your value and build value in the role that you find yourself in. We were talking about that particularly as it pertains to middle management um, and how that's sometimes a really challenging role to show your value, improve your value, depending on what niche you've built for yourself, uh, where you're currently working. But it's true of all of us. It is an uncomfortable place to be, to not be able to click the lights off on your way out of the office and say, well, I'm done for the day. I don't have to worry about it. Sometimes you do have to put a little bit more effort into showing what you're bringing to the table and where you are bringing the company or the client or the customer or whoever is your stakeholder. Agree. And speaking as we are about the uh, the planning and empowering ourselves to be visionaries for what we want to accomplish in our roles, I heard a little uh, teaser for a mechanism that can be super helpful if done right for kind of pacing yourself, not just like like Joss was talking about, um, not just once at the end of the year annually you check in and say, what did you do this year? You did it or you didn't do it. There are check-in points and goals associated with those check-in points that you can kind of keep yourself on track towards your vision. I wondered if you wanted, wanted to uh, enlighten us a little bit about those goals. About settings. smart goals? Smart goals. Yes. Again, uh, this is something that I've come across in the past couple of years, and I think a lot of people have always struggled with goals. I've very much struggled with writing goals. Um, I usually feel like I could set a goal and meet it, but do I remember how I got there? Uh, you know, can I prove it to anyone? I don't know. So, so I will go through uh, SMART goals, and that's an acronym. It's Specific, Measurable, Achievable relevant and time bound. So we'll go through a quick description of each of those. And then we'll kind of talk about how sticking to this very structured goal approach will actually benefit you and benefit your company or your client. So, uh, so smart goals, the first one is S it's for specific. What you want to do is reduce ambiguity by defining your goal, uh, very specifically Use your W's, your who, what, when, why, as, any, as many W's as you want. Um, so an example of this would be, uh, I want to be better organized this year. That sounds vague. So it's very vague. <laughs> what does it really mean? Uh, what does it mean to you? What it means to you could be totally different than what it means to your boss. So did you meet that goal? I don't know. I met that. I say that I met that goal. I was more organized. And your boss could say, well, you were late on a whole bunch of things. There's too much vagueness there. So 
you want to be as specific as you can. So maybe a better way to say this would be, I will be better organized this year by implementing a tracking spreadsheet. I will set reminders on my calendar to update the spreadsheet weekly. It's very specific. There's really, there's no question there about how you're going to accomplish being better organized. Okay, so the second M of SMART is measurable. And I would say that uh, my boss would say, if you can't measure this goal or you can't prove that you achieved it, why are you doing it? So an example of this one would be, I want to deliver better customer service. Again, that's also not very specific, but you could say to increase customer satisfaction, I will close all priority cases within 48 hours. Now, ideally, at the end of this goal, you can produce a report showing all of your priority cases and the time frame that you completed them in so that you can say, here's my goal, here's how I met it, and here's the numbers to prove it. The next uh, one is A, that's for achievable, or sometimes you'll see attainable. I think we all want to set goals that maybe challenge or excite us, but we also need to make sure that they're attainable within the amount of time that you're given. So if you have a large goal, everyone says uh, you can break it down into smaller chunks, but that's not always clear on how you do that. So just the example that I've written here is this year I'm going to change company culture. It's a big goal, right? So, but let's say your goals run from January to July and then you reset them. That's kind of how we do ours. We do ours in six months uh, sprints. So the goal could actually be by the end of quarter one, I'm going to produce a detailed outline of a training program designed to address our company's communication issues and review it with leadership. So it's not only in three months can you provide an outline. That's achievable. That sounds achievable. It's also very specific. And it is also uh, measurable because you have a deliverable to give them. And uh, not to mention that also is a very small chunk of the overall larger goal. It actually also gives you like a secret tip is that gives you time, uh, buys you time to uh, write your other goals. <laughs> uh, the, the next one is relevant. And I, I don't really have an example for this one, but basically all your business goals should align to either your role or function, uh, your company's goals, or just your overall business strategy. And if you work for a company and you don't know what that is, then you need to find out what that is from your leadership. If you're working on things that just aren't relevant, nobody's going to be successful. Like no one's <laughs> going to feel successful. They, sh- they need to be relevant and results focused. The last one, of course, is time-bound. So every goal should have a realistic time limit or a series of time-bound checkpoints. So I have come up with a final goal that I feel fits all of these. Bad example would be, I want to be a better cat parent. (laughs) Don't we all? But a better, but if I write this goal properly to reduce ambiguity, to be able to measure it, to be able to prove that I met the goal, and that I know that it's relevant to my overall household strategy, let's say, I'm going to be a better cat parent by playing with my cats 20 minutes a day, four times a week, from January to July, to improve their health and stimulation, which will result in an overall happier household. I don't know if you heard it, but my cat just meowed in approval, so. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Best goal ever. And then your primary stakeholder, the cat, actually has some input into like, well, let's like well, those play dates. I'll show them the yeah. pre- I'll show them the spreadsheet. <laughs> okay, and be like, I played with you on all these days. 
well, I love the goal just uh, just for several reasons. But what you know, that's funny because I come across a lot of people who will they'll bring up the SMART goal, and some people have never never even heard of the acronym, but they just be like, do a SMART goal, and it's like I remember the first time I got thrown at me, and I'm like, you do a SMART goal, you idiot, you know. But I, I, I like the way that I, I come across it is, or the way that I approach it is, when you think of smart and everything that you just described, it actually, those are the ingredients that belong in the goals. Like you said, make it specific. I should be able to see what I'm going to do. To be better at something, that's not a behavior. Um, making it measurable. Most people will use measurement as the time-bound piece. Like, oh, I got it done by the end of July. But to throw in another thing that I think is critical for measurement is what's the thing that's going to tell you this is worthwhile doing? So like for your cats or whatever, you're going to be spending more time with them. The measurable part might be the results going to be that my my cats and I are closer bonded and that's going to be, you know, measured by customer cat cat surveys of bondedness. <laughs> Uh, or I'm just going to report being able to feel happier, happier and closer to my cats, whatever it might be. But what's that tangible result that tells you it's a success? The attainable and the relevance um, in the workplace, that tends to be a conversation. It's not, you kind of brought it up. It's, it's not really written in the goal. It's something that you and the manager have to, is this attainable? Is this realistic? Is this, how is this tied to the bigger picture stuff that's going on? So I'll throw out, not to have too many formulas coming out of this call, but for anybody who's writing, writing, the actual writing of the goals, like you consider the SMART as, and does it have these ingredients? But when I write it, I always like to write it as a story. And so it's basically context, time frame, result. And I use this when I write goals. I use this when I write documentation on my performance. So it's an easy kind of writing formula that will capture the SMART ingredients. And I, I hate to double down on acronyms, but I... I tend to help, it tends to help people figure out that, but okay, how do I actually write this sentence? And so with context, it's, it's what we talked about before. What's the current state? What are the, you know, top challenge and opportunity that's working for you right now? So when you've written down that top challenge or the top opportunity, you're not trying to write a paragraph. The goal is really kind of like a guidepost. So you just want to call out something. So what it might say is, you know, you might say something like current state, like currently I only, uh, I, I've been you know, coming home from work and falling asleep right away. And I'm not getting to see my cats as often as I'd like to. That's it. But that tells me a little bit about why is even any of this important to do right now? Actually would be, I'm going to um, commit to a um, scheduled time to spend time with my cats from, you know, and you know, when we go context, action, time frame. Time frame is from now until July. Uh, and then the results, the result will be that I'll have a better sense of uh, calm and confidence that I've got the relationship I want with my cats. And I'm hoping to see that my cats are happier in my home. So if I see that now underneath that, you could list like sub bullets of tasks that you're going to do to make that happen. Like you said, you're picking a broader goal, like when you brought up this idea of change the culture. But the goals, sometimes people confuse that with a project plan. Like your project plan can get very detailed. And so when I gave my goals to my manager, the first time one of my managers saw my goals, it was three goals, one for each core area of my job. So I like to break my job into three core areas and I make a goal for each of those. How am I going to elevate in those three areas? So example for me would be, I do stuff that's training and design. I manage a team and I support clients. Everything I do from a day-to-day -day basis falls underneath one of those three areas. So my goals are not these one-off little tasks that I'm looking to do. My goals are how am I going to elevate my entire role by working at a better level in those three areas? And I'll write a context action time frame result for each of those. 
making sure that it has the smart ingredients, that they're specific. When you write the action out, that should help you with the being specific and not as ambiguous as like, um, I want to be better at something. That's not an action. The measurable part will show up because you've got a, a time frame and a result. That's how you're going to measure it. The attainable and the relevance, like I said, when you sit down and you show your goals to your manager, you're going to discuss with them, is this relevant to the bigger picture? Is it, is it attainable? Um, but that sets you up. When I first showed her those three goals, She's like, well, this just seems like, I don't know what this, what, what are you going to do? Like, I, you know, you say you're going to implement a strategy. What does that look like? And then I was like, okay, well, if you're okay with this direction, then what I'll do is I'll pull together a one-page overview of what a project plan would look like towards making this happen. So you can see the details. And once she understood how I was thinking about it, she really got like, you're, because she wasn't, wasn't getting that goals are not meant to detail out every single step. Goals are meant to be guideposts that you check kind of like a compass throughout the year. Am I headed in that direction? Are things, you know, all the work being done going in that direction? Have we stalled? Have we moved and, you know, gotten sidetracked? Uh, and so you'll find sometimes you'll have managers, you've written really nice, clean goals, and they'll want more detail. Your goals aren't wrong. You just, now they're ready for more of that project plan stuff. You've teased it appropriately. Yes. <laughs> I would definitely add, under the category of measurable, I would definitely add metrics and I don't want to turn everyone into like number-seeking robots where your eyes are always looking for metrics. But I, they, they are really important for many positions. So when, when you have metrics, they can be good for a couple of reasons. So anything that is measurable can somehow, I believe, be tied back to the compensation that you ask for. When I do my, we do semi-annual reviews, so I have to do reviews twice a year, and uh, we are on the same schedule for our goals. So I copy and paste. I open the the company template. I used to waste a lot of time turning it into a story or a narrative to sort of like prove that I'm amazing and you know write a write a lovely little paragraph about how I embody the spirit of the company. And to them, it doesn't matter. So now that I have these smart goals, I just copy and paste them right into the document. And I've got my metrics. Um, the other thing that is good to keep a handle on your metrics for is I like to use these in my resume. When I talk about the projects that I've worked on or the things that I've accomplished, I've been tracking numbers. I already have the numbers to to show you that uh, uh, what I've done. Have I saved the company money? Did I uh, meet a certain goal of uh, orders. How big was my project? I migrated 10,000 mailboxes, that kind of thing. So I, metrics are good to keep an eye on. Just if you get used to looking for those things, they can be very helpful. Well, and I, you know what I love about that is you're basically describing impact because you're right. Like, you know, I think sometimes people see metrics and like, oh, that's just quantity of items sold. And it's like, no, it could be anything from customer satisfaction, increase in efficiency, like whatever it was. What was the actual impact? And to your point in the review, it's not supposed to be about, well, here's what an awesome employee I am. People kind of mistake that a review is about them. A review is a review of the business that you were in charge of. And so what happened? So if those were your goals. And I love that. You bring the goals back. Like, look, this is what we committed to. And here's what happened. And I use that context action time frame result. So context, this is what happened all year. This is the good stuff. I had a, you know some additional budget and I got two new hires. And we got some buy-in from another department. and But we had five managers turn over throughout the year that kept getting us sidetracked. Side These are the actions I took. 
when I did it, time frame, and then the result. You know, we had these metrics, and this is the impact that it made. So say, I don't know if you're hearing this, but this is like that in the background. <laughs> Love it. Uh, uh, he's, he's got a lot of opinions. And then with your resume, absolutely, same thing. People write their bullets in their resume of here's the things I was responsible for. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know if you sucked. Like, I know that's what you were in charge of, but were you a nightmare to work with? So if you write, same thing, that context, action, time frame, result thing, here's what I, you know, here's what I came into, here's what I did about it, here's how fast I did it, and then the metric, this is how much it increased efficiency, this is how much money it saved, this is how many customers reported liking what they, what I brought. That on a resume pops so much more than I was in charge of a customer database. Right. That's one of the things, you know, I love doing people's resumes. That's one of the first things I pop out when I see those bullet points is relied upon to or in charge of. Well, that that describes me nothing. That doesn't tell me what you actually accomplished. Whereas, yeah, popping in the uh, the results of the SMART goals that you had set for yourself within your resume, within your uh, semi-annual review. These are your opportunities as the proprietor of your own business, you know, as as being your own boss in the low man on the totem pole way. This is how you show your value. We were talking a little bit about uh, middle managers, but any employee trying to find a way to prove your value in your workspace, and this is your literal way to do it, is, is SMART goals. <laughs> <laughs> I have come uh, come away with a new appreciation for uh, shaking up the etch a sketch uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and incorporating some new and concrete, discernible ways, some specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound ways to uh, cater context, action, timeline, results. We just got so many acronyms going. <laughs> I love that you were able to like regurgitate that as well as you did. You see that's super smooth. I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking notes, you guys. That's great. But no, I, I really love this. I think this is a great time of year to be dropping this in and really focusing on what your goalposts are going to be for the year and exactly what you want to have done by each of these goalposts and making sure it's not just an annual thing where you put on little red Corvette and, uh, and create the PowerPoint, which I am going to see that PowerPoint. I'm so excited. I've got a uh, few. I've, I've done them once. I mean, the last two years I haven't, but so I got back in the swing this year, but I've got a few in my archives. Oh, we'll have to put it on the Instagram. I, 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 yeah, I should actually, I, I don't know if I'll have anybody, uh, uh, respect me in the future, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I do revisit it throughout the year. And usually I hit off about a good, I'm hitting about like a 50, here's my metric, 55 to 60% completion, but I put some audacious shit on there. So, <laughs> well, I think that's good to end that you use it as a goalpost and check in with it regularly. I think that's the strategy. That's the, uh, that's the way it's going to work. I'm re-energized. I feel like less of a New Year's Grinch, you guys. You've you've converted me. <laughs> I think Yay. I took your Grinch for you. <laughs> <laughs> Joss is now completely a New Year's Grinch. Oh, like, man. Oh, I'm done with it. <laughs> now I got to go write goals. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for sharing strategies and ways to bring us into the new year with a newfound appreciation of the way we're going to run our own business. That brings us to the end of the podcast and uh, brings me in mind of wanting to hear uh, from you, our low man on the totem polers. What are your goals for the year, professional or otherwise? I'm going to start taking Spanish classes. That has nothing to do with professionalism. I just need to learn Spanish. Uh, well, I'm and- sure to help you. <laughs> I am- <laughs> 
Oh, it's that was a real cat goal that I wrote. So that is a real cat goal, <laughs> As it should for my be. my household. Oh, I love it. <laughs> for my household company, my overall household strategy. Well, see, these are the important goals. So we want to hear your important goals uh, and how you plan to attain those. What are your strategies as you approach this new year, 2019? Um, we want to hear from you. So if you have a, a question about anything we've covered today or a story you want to share, your own strategies for the year, or if you have an idea to hear us discuss something that's on your mind, or if you just want to tell us what you think, tweet us at LMTP Consulting, or you can message us on Instagram, Lowman on the Totem Pole, all one word, or you can email us at lmtppodcast at gmail.com. Joss, is there anything you would like to plug while we got our plugs in? What do I need to plug? Um, cat love. Uh, I could certainly plug cat love. Sure. I would like to plug something in my spare time. I am the vice president on the board for the only horse rescue in Orange County. There's some others out in Riverside County in San Diego, but we're the only one in Orange County. I work with horses on the weekends. We rescue abused and neglected horses. And when we can re rehabilitate them, we will adopt them out. But if we can't, we will sanctuary them. So if you are interested in horses in any way, we do take volunteers. It's a great way to get outside, get some sunshine, meet some horses. You can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Hannah Lee. And that's H-A-N-A-E-L-E-H. And I'll say it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Hannah Lee, H-A-N-A-E-L-E-H. That's on Facebook. That's the same Hannah Lee at Instagram and also on Twitter as well. So uh, come on out and see us. That sounds fabulous. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you in two weeks on our next episode. Thank Bye. You. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye. Happy New Year. Smart goals.